You're listening to the audio podcast from New Walk Church. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. been in a series called We Over Me, and what we've been doing is talking about how uh, we have God doing a work in our lives, and then we partner with the work of the church. God takes our me and does something even more expansive with what he's given us as we connect with the we, the, the work of the local church. That's what our series has been dealing with. We're on the third week of the series. Before I get into that, that third week of what I want to talk about I want to invite those of you who are out of high school up to, say, age 25. We're having a YA event. I know the dice are on there. It's not a gambling event. I just want to be clear. A little disclaimer there. Like a games thing that they're going to be doing. It's downtown. There's a place in Zephyr Hills, a good little hangout spot. And they're just kind of gathering, connecting. There's, uh, there's no real train, strings attached. It's just a hangout time. Uh, what we do, though, is try to make sure that people see in their age group that there are people, especially even in our church, who are in that age group, uh, give people an opportunity to connect with one another, and also uh, hear about groups that are going to be happening where people in that age group, uh, out of high school up to age 25, are uh, doing study groups together, growing together. And so it's just uh, though all about really just a connect point and learning about who in our church is in that age group. If you're in that age group, come on out tonight. That's right there downtown. Also, if you are uh, coming to that, please bring somebody with you as well. It'll be even more fun if you're able to bring somebody with you. Okay, here we go. We're going to talk about something as we continue on this journey. I want to just talk about more of this power, connectivity, taking our me to the we. Last week, I talked about how when God blesses us financially in our lives, how we partner with the we of the church to see that giving uh, do something even more powerful. All I did last week is I just said, hey, look, you know, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you why I give to my church. If you agree and you want to give or you are giving, then great. If, if you don't agree, that's on you. But I just want to lay it out. And last week, I did want to celebrate because last week, 22 people started giving to our church for the very first time. So I'm grateful for that. We had some others uh, that hadn't been giving for a bit, started giving again, and so thankful for, again, what God is showing us in this series. Let's get a little spiritual here and do a polling. I'm going to do a little polling amongst the audience, and you're going to shout your responses to help me know like uh, what your preferences are. Uh, we're going to, uh, again, highly spiritual survey here. Let's do this. Uh, uh, by a shout, we're going to do a little shout. If you like Coke or Pepsi, all right, hold on. Because you know you're either usually in one camp or the other. All right? You can give a shout. Let's do Coca-Cola first. Coca-Cola fans, let me hear you. Wow. All right. Pepsi. Yeah! I think the Coca-Colas have it there. It's a little split last service, but not this one. Again, uh, staying in highly spiritual conversation, let's talk about ice cream. Uh, right? Uh, let's do this. Uh, you have something kind of fancy like Cold Stone Creamery or just kind of the basics like, like, like a Dairy Queen. Right, Cold Stone Creamery, anybody here? <laughs> Dairy Queen. <laughs> Zephyr Hills people will be like, well, man, we are Dairy Queen. Dairy Queen. All right. 
let's do donuts. Let's do three. We'll do Krispy Kreme, Dunkin', and then Hole in One, which is a local place in the area. So here we go. It's not, uh, let, let's do this here. Krispy Kreme fans? Dunkin'? Hole in One Donuts. They've been winning every service there, the third. All right. And that's uh, a lot of their products or what's in our cafe as well. When it comes to teams, when it comes to products that we're passionate about, we will argue, we'll scream, we'll get excited. And that excitement is, is important, I guess. But let me tell you 10 times more what's in 100. I don't know what the number is, but my feeling about the church that I attend it's way beyond any product or any team that I could be excited for. I love being a part of this church that I get to attend and even and lead. And sometimes I think that we get excited about these other things. When it comes to church, we lack that excitement. It's, it, we look at it as something like, oh man, you know, I just gotta, I guess I just have to go. I, you know, I don't really wanna go, but I just have to go or do it out of obligation or somebody's kind of forcing you to, to do it. And, and yet what I know is church isn't meant to be like that, some sort of place that you feel obligated. It's meant to be a place of excitement. It's meant to be a place of great energy. The Bible says that church is supposed to be something like, referencing like the bride of the bride of Christ. It references it like that, that the church is a place that is supposed to, where we're raised up, where we're to be uh, washed in the word. That's what the scriptures say, to, to be presented uh, holy, spotless, blameless before God. We're to be, be strengthened together. The Bible talks about that. It references a bride because the husband's responsibility, a husband, a groom uh, with a bride, a husband's responsibility in a marriage is to be to invest in her, to raise her up, to help walk with her through the word, to, to grow spiritually, to be presented before God. That's what a good husband does with his wife. And so the Bible talks about how the church is similar, and it's important to God. And I've referenced this many times before, but the bride of Christ, it's important to God. Nobody goes to a wedding and booze the bride. You better not. It's not a good thing. And so we shouldn't, we shouldn't just like think about the bride and try to keep from booing. We should be cheering. There should be an energy and there should be an excitement. And I have to say, I do feel that way about New Walk. We have our flaws. We don't always get it right. And sometimes, you know, we don't have the donuts right or sometimes we don't have the drinks right or the tech fails or who knows what might happen with the air conditioning in a service. But despite all of those flaws and difficulties, I love being a part of this place. And again, the church was meant to be a place of energy. It was meant to be a place that we get excited about. When you look at what happens after Jesus rises from the dead and the first church begins to grow and, and starts to take shape, there's an incredible energy around that. It's a place of, of high-level excitement. There's an expansiveness in the way people uh, view this connectivity with one another. And, and in 2,000 years, especially in the American church, we figured out how a way to take the most incredible message on the planet and somehow make it boring. And it shouldn't be. 
And I am gonna talk about the American church in general today. I am not speaking of any church in particular, not at all. I'm speaking specifically about just kind of our, our church culture today, and I think some of you will understand when I'm referencing some of the struggles we have in church today in the American church. I think you understand and you can relate a little bit to what I'm talking about, but this place that should be a major place of energy and excitement, uh, the American church has struggled. I want us to look at some of the energy we see in the scriptures around the gathering of people to hear the message of Jesus Christ. And I want to look in Luke chapter 14 where we're going to see in verse 15, Jesus shares this parable. It's known as the parable of the great feast. It's a partying atmosphere, an invitation to a party, a gathering, a banquet, an invitation going out, and the responses uh, related to that. And so here's what it says in verse 15, and we'll put it up on the screen as well. It says, hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, there's energy, all right, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied with this story. He's going to share the importance of the gospel, the importance of that message that goes forth. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations I'm going to stop there for a second. You know, we, first of all, the references of this scripture certainly relate to the, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God here on earth and in heaven, but it's certainly a portrait of, of the gathering of, of people to hear about what Jesus wants us to know about. And I love how it says, sent out many invitations. Here's what you need to know. If you're a part of New Walk Church, we send out a lot of invitations to people. Like we are constantly inviting people to this gathering on the weekends, to the party, to the banquet, to the celebration where the gospel is put on the table for people to hear and listen and decide if they want to partake in. But it goes on and says this, when the banquet was ready, his servant, uh, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making, oh, we've all done this before. Hey, you're invited in. We start making excuses. One said, I have just, I've just bought a field and I got to inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I just bought five pair of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I, well, I now have a wife and I can't come. <laughs> kind of weird. <laughs> Servant returned, told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And after the servant had done this, he reported there's still room for more. So his master said, go out again, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you can find to come so that the house will be what? Full. Full. For none of those that I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. The master Saying, I've prepared something. It's exciting. It's powerful. It's life-changing. It's something we celebrate. We get to be a part of. There's an energy going with this. That if, if we read this text and we see the heart of who Jesus is, we know that there ought to be an environment created where there is a celebration, where there is partying, where it is a, a festive banquet type atmosphere. I wrote this down in my notes though, but if you're not excited about your church, it might be because the church you're attending isn't partying. For Jesus, we're, be clear, not the other partying. 
But look, when, when I read that text, I, I see there, there, there is an excitement uh, around this gathering. There, there should be, and, and I look at how that has played out in my life for me. I, in my life, uh, I said yes to Jesus Christ in the local church. That's where I found Jesus. It changed my life. I've never been the same. It rocked my world when I came to know Christ. Some of you, it happened in a church. Many of you. Maybe it was before you came to Newark. Maybe it was here. You've, some of you have seen friends come to know Christ, family members, neighbors that you know that you've invited here and they've met Jesus Christ and it's transformed their life and it excited you because you know you got to see when the bride of Christ is really functioning from the me to the we in a healthy way, you got to see the power of that. And I love seeing that. I think many of you love seeing that as well. But what I want to walk through is some of the critical elements that I believe a church who's really operating for the things of Jesus, at least trying, that's imperfect, trying to get it right, some critical characteristics. I wrote this in, in your notes. When the me, when me desires to connect with an uncivilized we, I'll unpack uncivilized in a minute. When we're, when we're really getting this right, there's some things that we all kind of start getting on the same page on. And so here's the first one. We, we the we start to realize there's a problem. The we begin to realize whatever's going on with the church and Whatever's going on with the status quo in American church today, it's not working. There's a problem. There's something happening, and we see it and recognize it. And when my wife, Sean, and I, when we started this church, it was because we recognized there was indeed a problem, that 90% of the people in our community weren't going to church. Something had to change, verse 16. Going back to the story we just kind of unpacked. Jesus replied with the story, a man prepared a great feast. He sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent the servants to tell the guests, come on, come, come, the banquet is ready. And they all began to make excuses. And we see, as we sit here today in 2022 and look at the American church uh, as something, there is a problem, it, it's not working. And sometimes it's, it's, it's really obvious. Uh, anytime you see an you know, obvious situation, you know, you're just sort of like, you, you, you kind of can quickly move to the conclusions. It, it reminds me of those videos sometimes we see, like from National Geographic or the Smithsonian. Uh, they'll show, you know, out in the wilderness, the cougar or the tiger or the lion, and he's, he's on the prowl and he's looking at this other little animal off in the distance, and you already know what's going to happen. Like, we don't even, why do we have to even go through? Here's a little minute clip of one of those videos. Check it out. I just edited it down. Here it is. It's a small herd of kudu bulls, one of the strongest antelopes in Africa. A second lioness heads for the gullies to work her way around the kudu without being seen. They are slowly setting a trap. The alarm is raised by the impala, and the kudu spot the main attack.
<laughs> Welcome to New Walk. I'm, you're probably really thankful you came to church and saw that. Some of y'all brought your kids in here, and that wasn't easy. But look, when you start to look at this, you, I cut like a minute off of that because I'm like, I already know. We all know how this goes. Let me tell you, when we started our church, we knew there was a problem. We knew, there was, we, knew we had in our community a spiritual adversary who was seeking to destroy people like a roaring lion to, to take down people. And we'd been watching it happen. I, I was living here. I knew it was happening. And he was devouring people. He still is. And when you start to understand what's taking place in a community and then the fact that we have a message here in the church that's transformative, that Jesus came to give us life and life to the fullest and somehow it's not permeating people who are broken and hurt. There's something that's happening along the way. And, and so we have to, especially as a church, we have to pay attention. We have to say, okay, wh what is it that needs to maybe happen differently? When you look in the early church, what you see is this incredible growth spurred on with life transformation, incredible generosity, servanthood, the desire to love and share with others, people who are far from God and wanting people to know who Jesus Christ was. I've shared this before with you about the growth of the early church and how rapid it was. I'm going to read some scriptures off to you about just how, just as a reminder of how quick the growth was that was taking place after Jesus rose from the dead. They won't be on the screen, but, but I'll just read some of these to you. Acts 1.15, in those days, Peter stood amongst the believers and the group numbered about 120. Their first gathering was about 120. Acts 2.41, on the day of Pentecost, those who accepted the message, they were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now the church is at least 3,120. Acts 2.47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Daily. Oh, uh, there's not a quantity there, but there's 365 days in a year. So at least 365 people a year are being added to the church, Acts 4, 4, many, many who heard the message believed and the number of men grew to be 5,000. Back then, many times they would do a count and they would just count the men. But many scholars believe where it says 5,000 men, it was probably actually now about 15,000, including men, women, and children. Acts, uh, Acts 5, 14, nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and they were added to their number, Acts 5, 28. Look, we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, this name of Jesus, yet you all have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. That's where this first church is developing. It's happening in Jerusalem more and more quickly, more and more people coming to know Christ. Acts 6, 1. In those days, the number of disciples was increasing or multiplying in number. It goes on in, in Acts 6, 7. So the word of God spread and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, Acts 21, 20, when they heard this, they praised God and said to Paul, you see, brother, how many thousands of Jews have now believed, B.H. Uh, Carroll, a famous Bible scholar, uh, and many other scholars believe that within 25 years, the first church had reached in Jerusalem about 100,000 people in size. There were 200,000 people estimated in the city. Folks, in 25 years, half of the entire city had become Christians. 
That is rapid growth, and it's happening in an explosive way. And so we know it's possible. We know that a church can grow. We know that something powerful can happen. And yet, here we are in 2022, and at times when you see a growing church, it's almost like it's rare. And in the American church today, instead of praying for boldness, we pray for protection. Instead of being generous, we become hoarders. Instead of being a a people that come to church to serve, we many times come to church to be served. Instead of coming to live out our faith, uh, many people will come to the American church today to just suck up knowledge. Instead of being a place of life change, we become a place where just we got to pet the people. We see how quickly this thing can go bad and in a place where a party is supposed to be taking place, it's not. So what has happened Let me tell you the simple truth about this, the way I see it. The reason the church in America today struggles at times, again, not a specific church. I'm not talking about churches in our community. I'm talking about the churches in general in the American church. So many reasons why the American church struggles today is because they've taken their eyes off Jesus. Don't get me wrong. They're preaching from the pulpit about Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. They've forgotten scriptures like I just read to you that identify the heart of who Jesus is. And listen, when a church understands the heart of who Jesus is, then they start operating in the flow of that heart of who Jesus is, and that's when churches come alive. And so when you see Jesus, when you know, when you understand who he is and what he wants for the church, transformation is radical. A church that focuses on the heart of Jesus and what he wants is the kind of church that sees some sort of explosion, some sort of growth, some sort of unusual growth that happens. And that's what's happened at our church. It's not about the pastor. It's not about individuals. It's not about other leaders. It's about Jesus and what Jesus wants from the me and the we. All right, here's the next thing I put in your notes. We, an uncivilized group of people that are operating in the church, they make a commitment to stop pretending to do church. I think especially in the South today, like, it's sort of like, man, it's just a lot of, it feels like sometimes maybe there's a lot of pretending, you know, and and not uh, like an honesty about what's really going on. Verse 21 And go back into the scriptures we looked at. It says this, his master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. When I talk about the heart of Jesus, it's right there in the text. Jesus says, go out and invite the people who are far from God. (laughs) So he said, said, go out into the dark alleys. Go out. The alleys is a portrait of spiritual brokenness. Go find the people in the dark places in our culture and tell them to come to the party. Tell them to come to the gathering. The crippled, the blame, the lame, the blind. These are not, uh, this is not necessarily a portrait of the physical, although during that time people outcasted them, but it's a spiritual reference. The people that nobody wants to talk to, those are the ones we're interested in. But in the church today, we, if we're not careful, we'll get into this groove where we're like, ooh, we don't, we don't want to be around that people. 
Instead, again, of seeing the heart of Jesus, we, kinda, we just kind of go opposite. And instead of encountering in that, this flow of what he wants for us, we just, we're kind of pretending. We're just doing something together to kind of make ourselves feel better. And Jesus was admonishing this, the priests and the Pharisees of the day who had gotten so inward focused and rejected the people who, who needed God the most. And Jesus is helping the people, the disciples. He's sharing this parable. He's helping them understand, no, th- those people that have been rejected in our culture are the people that Jesus wants us to connect with most. Some of the most cantankerous people I know are Christians who only care about their own personal knowledge puff up, but they don't go out and follow through on the goodness and the things that Jesus wants us to do. Paul said knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So we push past, yes, grow in your faith and grow in your knowledge of Christ, but put it into action. And Jesus is telling them, hey, this is the type of action I need you to be a part of if you're going to be a part of the we. I heard a pastor say this one day, the American church today, if we're not careful, it can be filled with people with big ears and big rears. (laughs) They want to hear, they want to grow, but they don't want to exercise their faith and put it into action. I want to say this about New Walk, and this is why I love my church, this is why I love this place, this is why I love being here, is because for the most part, our church is full of doers. I've loved pastoring you and watching you take those steps. Not everybody gets it at first. They start coming, though. They start understanding, like, no, this is the heart of Jesus. This is what he wants for us. And again, we don't always get it right, but that effort to kind of get outside of ourselves and outside of our me and connect to the we, you begun to understand that two weeks ago. I said, hey, we have needs in the church for, for serving because of things related to COVID and us growing back. We need people to connect on the serve teams. I put these cards in your seat. They're still there. Again, but two weeks ago, 284 people stepped up and said, we're not serving here. We'll start serving for the first time. Last week, another 50 said they were going to be involved in it as well. Over 300 in two weeks. It's a portrait of a church that understands that not only is there a problem that we need to deal with as we get outside of ourselves, but we don't come here to pretend or to just soak something up for ourselves. We need to be about a people who care about others. And you know, I challenge people to do this. As a pastor, I challenge, I challenge oftentimes. And I say, hey, we got to do this. And I've heard, I've heard people, they, they, they get wore out about it because they're like, you know what? He's always telling us to serve. He's always telling us to be generous. He's always telling us to kind of get connected and do these things. And First of all, this is what God's word tells us to do. But second, sometimes people just don't want to do it. And they're like, uh, and they run. You know, when, when the heat gets turned up in the kitchen, sometimes people run. We, we say, okay, no, no, no. Let, let's be focused on what God's word commands the church to do. I, we put on these facades and we're not honest about what's happening. We're... We're not willing to dig in deeper and what God wants to do in our own lives. You know, I get into these flow in the church where we're just, it's, it's just out of habit. And you walk into the church and you say, somebody says to you, hey, brother, how you doing? And you respond, I'm doing really great, brother. Now, I'm not going to tell you that before I came here, I cussed out my family along the way. Everything's great, brother. 
And, and again, it's pretending in church and not being authentic and honest. And we created the church. We just wanted to create a place where not only we could be authentic about what Jesus is doing in our life, but be authentic about the desire of what Jesus wanted for us when it comes to investing in other people's lives and creating a place where it's okay to say my marriage isn't okay. It's okay to say, hey, my family's a mess. Pastor Gary, I've got an addiction and I need, your, I need help. When you have that kind of honesty in that environment, it leads me to the next thing. It allows people to see what God is doing in our lives. And then I put this in your notes. We understand then that a healthy and vibrant church is a place where found people find people. If you're in a church where there's not recent converts to Christianity, people coming to know Christ, having their life transformed, all right, it kind of gets more in, this is how the church can implode, more inward focus, nobody's coming to know Christ, so we don't take this incredible transformative story outside the doors and share it with other people, and so they don't see what God is doing in our lives, and that's, again, that's how a church can start to plateau or ultimately decline because nobody is coming to know Christ in that church, and nobody is going out from the church to share what Jesus has done. Verse 22, after the servant had done this, he reported there's still room for more. People who have come to know Christ who go back out and say, we got to find more. Jesus is saying, go to the alleys, go, go find the people who have been rejected, go to the highways, go to the hedges, do whatever it takes to bring people in. And when people are authentic about what God has done in their life and they go into these environments around their families, their families see it, their coworkers see it, their neighbors see it, and they go, I don't know what's happened to you, but you're different. I know you and your wife was about to get divorced and you're not now. Something happened. I'm pretty sure you were snorting coke like last week. And you quit, or whatever addiction you had, and I've something happened in your life, and I want to know about it. And people hear that, they know that, they say, "Man, all right, there must be something big happening at that place." It's not easy because in our culture today, it is rare to see a church exploding like that and growing with found people finding people. So much so, and I, I know some of you have heard this about a growing church or even New Walk before. People will say, well, if that church is growing like that, they must be a cult. <laughs> I, you've probably heard that. How sad is it that Christians in our culture today is so rare to see a church growing and exploding for the things of Jesus that the only reason they think it could be happening, not because of God's word and the transforming of people's lives, and it really is disrespectful to all the baptisms that are coming through here in all the portraits of life transformation. But how sad is it that people think the only way for that to happen, not because of Jesus, but because it must be a cult. That's the state of the American church today. It's impossible for that church to be growing like that. It must be something weird going on. Uh, what we do when found people are finding people is we're creating an environment where we say, you know what, I, I could stand on the street corner and scream and tell everybody they're going to hell. Or I could stand up here in the pulpit and kind of do that. Or we could let so many times the transformation of people's lives speak for themselves. And what God is doing in people's lives is, is a big deal. And so a healthy church does this. And, and I love what ha we see this play out uh, with Philip in, in, in John chapter 1. Let me put it up on the screen here. Here's what it says in verse 43. It says, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me, Philip. 
He said, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Uh, Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and whom the prophets also wrote. They're talking about Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. We have found the one who had been talked about that was coming in the scriptures all those years. He has arrived. His name is Jesus of Nazareth. Somebody said, Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asks. Nathaniel asks that question, and then here's Philip's response. Come and see. Come to the party. Come and see what God is doing. Come and see how lives are being transformed. In order, though, for us to have that kind of environment, it takes a people, which you have figured out, many of you, who are willing to say, those folks who are far from God, those folks who need it the most, those folks who haven't found Christ, we are going to love on them when they come through the doors. We're gonna, and you have understood that. And you have welcomed people into this church with open arms who, who don't have it all together and are just trying to kick the tires on this thing and to understand it. You've welcomed them with great open arms. I wrote this down in my notes. You can't have a church where found people are finding people. And if you're not willing to allow people who are in the alleys and dark places of our culture to be welcome to come in and see the light, but you have welcomed them in. And so I, I say thank you. So many ways to invite people. Easter at New Walk is coming in two weeks. We'll have seven different services. We'll have our Friday night glow service, and then we'll have two Saturday night and four on Sunday. And at those times, we will be welcoming people onto our campus who need to hear about the party, need to hear about the banquet, need to hear about the goodness of Jesus Christ. They'll be coming from all different places and we'll have an opportunity to invite them, to love them, to share the message with them. Uh, there's all kinds of ways you can help us invite. Uh, of course, we have the Easter invite cards which are in the hallways. And hand those out. There's social media reminders that we put out there that you're welcome to share with people and invite. We have yard signs. Uh, I want to do a little disclaimer about the yard signs. If you take a yard sign, only put it in your yard. <laughs> uh, don't put it on county property. Don't put it on county easements. Don't put it in city property. Put it in your yard. So if you don't have a yard that you're able to put a sign in, don't take a sign. All right? I, that would, you would help us out. We're trying to partner with the city, trying to partner with the county on that. And so please, if you have a yard that you can put a yard sign in, Feel free to take one. Only put it there, though, on your property. There's all kinds of ways to invite. Of course, there's all kinds of ways to help. And the cards are on your seat talking about here's kind of the help that we need for not just Easter weekend, but, but beyond. I said last week, one of the great things that we'll do is after they've heard about Jesus in here, we will go out to the helicopter drop. And we need help with that, organizing that. And so last week, people said, I'll help with that. We still need more. If you can write egg drop on the back of your Connect card, when the buckets pass, drop it in the buckets. Tell us you can help with that. Be a huge help for us. Or write egg drop on that big card that's on your seat and put your name on there. Drop it in the bucket. We'll get in touch with you about how you can help us with one of those services where we're having these kids out in the field there just organizing. That all kinds of ways to be involved big party opportunity coming in two weeks, and I hope you'll be ready and you'll be active to see more people coming to know Christ. Here's the last thing I want to share with you. A healthy church growing for Jesus be becomes what it celebrates. 
any church becomes what it celebrates. At our church, come talk to me in my office, and I want to tell you how many people came to know Christ. Because I celebrate that. I want to tell you how many people came and heard the gospel for the first time or first time in a long time, of VIPs, things like that. I, I want to tell you about baptisms and celebrate that. That's why we celebrate it online every week. It's why we, you know, celebrate it in service when people come to know Jesus Christ because every church becomes what it celebrates. And so I want us to always be a church that says, man, we get this, man. We get it. We understand it's important that people come to know Jesus Christ. And so we'll always be celebrating and we're celebrating the things that matter most to Christ. Transformation, people growing in their faith. I said at the beginning, uncivilized there in that kind of that header. We have a saying at our church where we, it's part of our 12 core values. It says we are uncivilized in our approach. Uh, we're, we're going to be aggressive in the way that we reach our community. In fact, this is what it says on our website as well uh, as when you go through things like boot camp or new steps. It says, if the enemy is aggressive, therefore we cannot afford to be passive in any way, in the way that we spread the gospel. Without compromising God's word, we will embrace change, intentionally engage the culture through the power of Jesus Christ. What we're saying is like we will do what we need to do to reach people. Because it's important that we reach people. It's important to the functionality of a healthy and vibrant local church. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 19. He says this, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I have become as a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law I have become as one under the law, though not myself being under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but now I'm under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. And then I love what he says next. I have become all things to all people that by all means, I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in the blessings. I've said this before. Paul said, whatever it takes, by all means, just so we can win some. If you're a part of New Walk Church, we are a by all means church. Whatever it takes to reach people. And we will be aggressive so that we can fulfill his desires, the heart of what Jesus wants. We are a by all means church. And sometimes, you know, people struggle. They're, oh man, they're bringing in a helicopter or they're bringing in snow or they're doing trunk or treat or doing all kinds of weird things there, interesting things to try to reach people. And it's a little bit unusual, but the enemy is aggressive. And he's doing all kinds of things to reach people. We have a spiritual adversary. He's, he's using uh, money and debt to wreck marriages and relationships. We have a spiritual adversary. He's aggressive. And he's using things like pills and drugs and heroin laced with heavy doses of fentanyl that's destroying people's lives and families. We have an enemy that's using alcohol. We have an enemy that's using sexual abuse. We have an enemy that's using anger and unforgiveness. All kinds of nasty tactics. So when we decide as a church to bring in a helicopter by 
while all this happens after people hear about Jesus, when we decide as a church to invest in connecting with kids, connecting with parents, connecting with families, connecting with adults so that they can hear about the message of Jesus Christ while the enemy's being aggressive and doing all the things he's doing, we're going to stay aggressive. Pardon me, if we have a spiritual adversary who'll do anything to reach people, we're gonna do what we need to do to reach people. And so that's a part of our church. We did snow at Christmas and there was a woman that had been attending our church prior to Christmas. She was a believer and her husband was not. In order to be with the family for Christmas, he decided to come and be a part of Christmas at Newark. He said yes to Jesus there. He got a Bible. And now he's reading it and he's praying with his family. And now the helicopter's coming and the eggs are coming. We stay aggressive. Let's pray together. God, I give thanks for the God, I give thanks for the blessing of the work that you've done here in the local church here at New Walk. I'm thankful for the people here in our church that have understood this, they get this, they know the importance of reaching people for Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for those, for all the 15 years and the difference that people have made, that made people's lives, not getting the fact that we must stay aggressive. But God, there's maybe somebody here today in our time together who does not know Jesus. They came from one of the dark alleys they're crippled, they're, blind, they're lame, they're blind, they're hurting, they're broken, and they're spiritually separated from you. And everything we did here at this church this weekend, we wanted you uh, to come out of that darkness and into the light and to know who Jesus is, his plan for your life. And so today, this afternoon, I invite you to say yes to this very thing we believe so heavily in here at our church that God has a better plan for your life. And the Bible says that you can connect to the Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. Just inviting him in, believing on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, connecting to the Heavenly Father, forgiveness of sin comes for those who believe Jesus sheds the blood on the cross for all of humanity to have their sin forgiven. And you can have that today and begin that journey with him. And you're inviting him in saying, God, today I believe in the name the Lord Jesus Christ, I surrender. I'm ready to start with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us. A special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit newwalk.church. And if you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to click the share button and tag us on social media at My New Walk Church. Thanks for listening.